Hello and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dahlman. Today we are back with episode six of our mini-series on the state of housing in James City County. Lauren Tolley, welcome. You are with us. I think you've been with us from the beginning, correct? Yes, ma'am. All right. And you are joined, you are the housing supervisor for the housing office, and you are joined by Mike Paget. I need to make sure I get Mike's title correct. You are the housing specialist for the housing rehab and revitalization programs that are offered by the housing office. Did I do good? Yes. Very good. Well, I'm very glad that you could join us today. So let's jump right in. Throughout this series, we have been talking about, like I've mentioned, the state of housing in the county. Housing revitalization and rehabilitation are also involved in preserving homes in James City County, correct? That's correct. Housing preservation is all about repairing existing housing stock in the county. And we do this through funding that we receive through various grants and programs. Um, there are a couple of different programs and each of those programs have their own unique criteria. And I'm gonna let Mike talk more about those specific programs. Yeah, we're, we're great with acronyms. The first one is ERP, um, Emergency Home Repair and Accessibility Program. And that's funded by the Commonwealth and county funds. And it's intended to be a repair program. Electrical um, is safety issues, plumbing leaks, roof leaks, uh, heating and air conditioning repairs. We can't replace it with that program. But um, that's the starting point for most of our other programs. Then we have HELP, Home Energy Loss Prevention. And it's intended to provide a path and some funding alone to uh, increase the energy efficiency of homes and to do some minor repairs. Uh, it is a loan. It can be as low as 0%, but it's offered to pretty much anybody countywide. Um, and then we get into our community development block grants, which are funded by um, Housing and Community Development in Richmond through HUD. And they are for more serious needs, structural issues, roof repair, heating and air conditioning, installation or replacement because they're very expensive. All right. That's a lot of different programs for all of that money. So tell me, how would a homeowner begin to try to see if they qualify for any of this money? Well, the first thing they need to do is call us. Okay. We'll take an application. They'll refer them to me if I'm here, but they'll take an application and get it to me. I'll contact the uh, individual and schedule an appointment to go see them to complete the application and take a look at the issues. Uh, a lot of times they don't understand how serious the problem is. Uh, if it's a simple plumbing leak or um, you know just a simple repair, we, we get uh, approval from the Department of Housing and Community Development. Uh, when they get approve it, we hire a licensed contractor to do the repairs and uh, if we can't handle it through uh, that program, I generally reach out to our community partners and try to do it that way. And then if we're unable to handle it, then we kind of put on a list for upcoming community development block grants where we can deal with more serious issues. And I just wanna add, I know that hearing this, um, some of our listeners and viewers may get the idea that we're doing these grand HGTV remodels. Um, <laughs> and I really feel like we should clarify that this is not HGTV home makeover. Um, these programs are all about making existing housing safe and more efficient. 
We aren't repainting and hanging pictures. We're simply making it safe for people to mature in place with their homes. So I understand now that you're not HGTV, but you're doing really important work. You've got some tools with you today that you want to show us. Can you take care of that? What do those tools do? Well, this is the blower door fan. Wow. We, this, we have a frame that we can put it in a door and we can depressurize the house. Um, it can move 6,500 cubic feet of, of, of air per minute, but that would be a big house or a very leaky house. Generally, a um, 25-year-old house will register about 2,500 cubic feet per minute, which when you change that into an hour, it's about 19 air changes per hour. So that's air you've heated and cooled that you're losing to the outside. Okay. The typical new home will register about three to 400 cubic feet per minute, and they have to be under five air changes per hour by code. Okay. This okay. also helps us to identify leaky places in your home. Um, we can depressurize the house and any leak is going to show up in the wintertime. It'll, uh, if you use a thermal camera, it'll be blue. Summertime would be yellow, but you can use a smoke pen and you can see it blowing. Uh, and then you can even use the back of your hand. I mean, I've been in some homes walking down the hallway with the fan going and it's a nice breeze blowing. Okay. But it, it helps us to locate leaks. Okay. Now, going, I'm sorry, Mike, but going back to the 25-year-old house, if are, are those leaks that are causing that big difference in between the old house compared to a new house? Yes. Okay. Uh, typically in an old house, the problem is they're very small leaks, but okay. there's a lot of them. Uh, in okay. newer homes, we have better techniques of sealing the home as we build it. Okay. Uh, and and cut that down a lot, but it's a challenge to get to all of the places that leak in an older home. Okay. All right. Well, and I, I asked because I'm the owner of a 25-year-old home. And I was like, oh, goodness, that is a big difference. Okay. What else do you have for us today? Okay. We have a thermal camera. Okay. Uh, it's small. And, and this uh, helps us to identify leaky places as well. You can shoot a wall and you can see where air is leaking in behind the wall, where it's missing insulation or things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take an image of the tabletop here and show it to you. And so everything is showing up in one color. Okay. So then we're gonna get Lauren to put a, her hand on the table here. And, okay, you can take your hand up. And, You can now see that there is a handprint. Good job, Lauren. But and that will actually show up for quite a while. Wow. And it's it 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 it's very precise again, and you can tell where leaks are. My favorite ones are like attic access doors because you can see all of the air streaming around the edges. Really? Pretty much call those a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Do you have any other tools? Yes, we do. We've got of a course. analyzer here. And this got a lot of excitement when I showed it to the office here. 
You know, it looks like a serious medical tool. It does. Not one that I would like to have used on me, though. <laughs> what we use this for is testing the draft of combustion appliances, like a gas furnace or gas water heater. Okay. I'll put the probe in the vent stack, and we can tell what the pre vent pressure is. We want that pressure to be lower than the lowest pressure we measured in the house, because okay. that means that the gases are being drawn out of the house. If it was higher, they could leak back into the house, or they call it a backdraft. Okay. Uh, and that carbon monoxide, which you know is not a good thing. The other thing we can do with this, it will tell us how much carbon is being produced by the combustion. Uh, it should be burning very efficiently. So as the carbon uh, parts per million go up, it's showing that the uh, appliance is not operating as it should. It's producing more carbon dioxide and you know, would make it potentially much more deadly if if it was not operating or drafting properly. Sure. So it, it gives us a total of a safety. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. So are, are there any others or are those the three well, that you brought today? These are the three that I brought. These are the, I guess, more impressive ones. <laughs> they are pretty impressive. And I, I don't know if we've ever had any equipment demonstrations on the show. Now it's making me want to, I'm thinking of like Jack Hanna when he would bring animals on talk show. Yeah. Oh, you've just opened up the door to a lot of exciting things we can do. I like props. <laughs> I do too now. I had no idea. That is pretty amazing. So I'm sure that it's not just tools that you use when you are determining if a house needs some work. Um what else are you able to do? So there are certainly other, um, you know, things that we use when determining that there are homeowners in the county who need home repairs um, and who, without the help of our housing rehab and revitalization programs, they may not otherwise be able to afford those repairs. Um, we quantifiably know this through a housing condition study that was conducted in 2012. Um, 800 homes in the county fell into the middle to worst part of the study. Um, a lot of homes may look okay on the outside, but once we actually get into the bones and in the inside of the home, they're just not safe um, or sound to live in. And another very important outcome of this study um, was identifying the need for a housing navigator to navigate available housing in the county. Um, and we talked about that a little bit in our last episode with Jasmine, who's our housing navigator. Right. And the housing office, we receive about 70 ERP applications a year. Okay. Um, I try to deal with those with our very small budget uh, where I can. Uh, I work with housing uh, our partners that we have to deal with things that are a little over our spending limits. If it, we, we try to put together groups to deal with them. You know, we don't leave anybody stranded. Now, some of them may have to wait till when we get a a project that can address their needs, but, um, you know, we, we use all the tools that we can. So aside from the fact that you all are doing such a great job helping make housing safe for folks so they can mature in their homes, can you share some additional information with us on why housing preservation, such as ERP and HELP and CDBG and Rural grants, why they're so important? Well, I think the most obvious answer is that we're preventing county residents 
um, from living in unsafe and unhealthy homes. Um, and these programs also prevent further deterioration. A small issue can very rapidly become a large and expensive issue if it's not addressed. Um, they also prevent the loss of a home. Residents need an affordable, safe, decent place to live. Uh, replacing a home is challenging in the current market, even though we expect to see some of those trends changing. Um, another reason that housing preservation is important is the community and the county. When, re when we rehabilitate these homes, we're preserving the neighborhoods and the communities that they are in, and we're enhancing the integrity and the safety of the community. Uh, these programs also help reduce blight. Uh, neighborhood blight and the presence of vacant and abandoned properties have profound negative impacts on afflicted communities. Blighted properties decrease surrounding property values, they erode the health of local housing markets, they pose safety hazards, and they reduce local tax revenue. Um, vacant and blighted properties make people feel less safe and less proud of their neighborhoods. In addition to its negative effects on crime rates and property values, uh, blight causes social problems and environmental health issues. And so the housing and rehab vitalization programs address these issues and they allow James City County to continue to be a wonderful place to live and work and play for our residents. Um, and they can allow residents to continue to age in place where they have raised their families and where they've called their home for decades. So without giving any identification or anything that would identify a family that you all have worked with, can you give us an example? Yes, uh, we had an individual call uh, about a heat issue. Um, and so I went out with ERP to see if we could repair the heat. Uh, while I was there, I discovered they needed much more than just the heat repaired. Um, they had a, a bathroom floor that was deteriorating. Uh, and I kind of feel like it started from a small plastic nut on the bottom of the sink that was over tightened and cracked. And that was leaking for years. So the vanity, you know, just kind of disintegrated. The floor joists were damaged in the floor. Uh, it eventually got to the point that the uh, toilet line broke and then it was sewage being dumped into the crawl space. Uh, they had a leak in their furnace room, laundry room, that had damaged the ceiling. So half the ceiling was not there. It also damaged the floor. So there was a big hole in the floor to the crawl space. They had um, a joist in the kitchen, which was damaged from leaking from the back door because they didn't have gutters. Um, and, you know, we, we um, when we took the application for CDBG, because it was much more than her, we did get her heat going. So she had some heat. Um, we realized that her credit was upside down, which made it difficult to try to get her approved for a CDBG because they've got parameters. Um, but we realized she really needed the help. And so through financial counseling, uh, they worked on their credit, you know, made different choices and got it to where the board could approve it. Um, so we got her in the program. Uh, it was one of the first ones we were going to do, but it, it ended up being towards the end. And with the sewage leak and COVID and all that made it a little more challenging. But um, we knew from conversations with her doctor and uh, so forth that C COPD was an issue. So, uh, you know, with all the holes, all the air coming from the crawl space, all the plumbing issues, um, 
we needed to address a lot of things, but we were able to get her on the program. We got a contractor that could abate the crawl space. We put in a totally new bathroom, ripped out the floor, the tub, everything, and, and did new plumbing and, and new fixtures there. We uh, fixed the mechanical room and we fixed the kitchen. We put in some new cabinets because the floor had settled and there was no way I was gonna get those leveled back up. Um, with the help of Project Homes, we were able to replace the heating system. So they have a brand new heat pump. And so now the house is safe to live in. It's more efficient. And they still have some breathing problems, but it's not as much from the COPD as it is from chasing the grandkids who can now visit uh, around the house. And even they can spend the weekends where before the family wouldn't even let them visit. You know, hearing this, it makes me think that there's got to be, like you've said, there are other homes in the county that need that level and that there may be adult children out there that know that their parents need help and they won't let their grandkids or whatever go and visit. And I think that it is so inspirational that there are programs like this that can help people that feel like maybe this is the only option that they have and they can't fix it on their own and they're okay, they're doing fine, but they're really not. And mm -hmm. I, I think that that's amazing. And so I'm hoping, again, people that are watching and listening may start to think about their own family or their friends or someone that could benefit from something like this. You're, you're absolutely right, Renee. Um, and the story that Mike shared is just a glimpse into the many benefits of the housing preservation programs that the housing office offers. Um, just from that story, I'm sure our listeners and viewers can see that housing preservation allows individuals to age in place. Um, and then improving the indoor air quality alleviates a lot of potential health issues. It also makes homes more efficient. And when we repair and rehab homes, residents usually see a reduction in their energy bills. Um, and I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't address the fact that these programs preserve housing stock for low-income families who have inherited homes and just can't afford a mortgage. Um, every home that we save is one that doesn't have to be replaced. And a decent majority of the people that we serve are widowers or those who are more mature. Uh, this is the property that their families have been raised in for generations, and they just don't have the means or ability to maintain and repair things as they age with the home. And we know that it's really hard for people to reach out for help. And when they do, we want to be as helpful as possible. Um, every time we enter a home, we make it a point to educate the, home, the homeowner about their home. Um, we help them learn about their home. We teach them how to take care of the home in a way that they might not have known before. And we really work on maintaining our relationship with them after the project is done because we want them to reach out to us if they have questions. Um, our job is not just about changing the home. It's about changing the lives of those county residents who live here in James City County and who call us this wonderful place home. Again, I I am just amazed with all of the services that the housing office does. And, you know, just this entire series that we have done, if you haven't watched the previous episodes, please, you know, do that. Go back and watch them all because it is, this group does an amazing amount of work. And like you've said, you pull together resources from everywhere. It's not just taxpayer money that funds this. There's lots of different funding sources 
and people don't just write those checks and give them to the county. You all have to do lots of work to get all of that funding and to keep all of that funding. And I am just, as always, amazed by all the work that you all do. Thank you. And I love the props. We've never had props on a podcast <laughs> before. All right. Any other things you'd like to mention before we wrap up? I'm, you know, just amazed at uh, all the support we get from the administration and um, other county agencies to be able to do these projects. And, you know, uh, we do have workshops on, on homes and, you know, getting people to attend is a challenge, but uh, I bring props and um, <laughs> I do try to educate them about their homes so they don't have these problems we're having to fix. Uh, mm -hmm. They understand when they need to reach out or to have some, a contractor take care of our issue. Absolutely. And I think you made that really good point that sometimes things start out as just, like you said, a nut or something over tightened on a sink. And years later, all of this, I'm going to say disaster, because it was that level of work that needed to be done. Amazing. All right, Lauren, anything? Oh, sorry. Unfortunately, I'll say that's not the worst house we've seen. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. Lauren, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would just say um, to anybody who has been listening or viewing in on this podcast, um, whether it's this podcast, the whole series, or one of the other ones, um, please let the housing office be your first call, not your last call. Um, even if we don't have the ability to help, we would love to be able to offer those who need help with any type of housing problem, a solution or a resource. Um, because as you can probably tell from a lot of the podcasts that we've done, we have so many amazing community partners. Like Mike mentioned, we have lots of departments that we work with within the county who are so valuable to us. Um, and then we have so many amazing community partners here in James City County, where you don't have to venture outside um, of the county that residents can use to really improve their circumstance, whatever that looks like for them. Excellent, excellent point. And we will have the telephone number and everything and how to reach you all at the end of the show. Um, I do want to say that Lauren and I are in talks to do future episodes. So just because the mini series is over does not mean that this is the last that we will see of you all on this podcast. So we have really appreciated all of the time that you all have put in to getting ready for this over the, the, the six episodes. And once again, thank you both so much for coming on. Thank you, thank you, Renee. And if anybody has any topics that they would like to hear from the housing office about, please reach out to us and let us know. And we will be happy to figure out a way to address those. And hopefully there will be props that can come on. We will, we'll have to make props a part of it now. Absolutely. It's now a requirement. I'm going to tell all the other guests that they also have to have props. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, once again, thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please be sure to subscribe. That way you will never miss an episode. And visit us on our website. We're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you'll find all of our episodes as well as a form. And on that form, you can give us show ideas, comments, critiques. We would love to hear from you. 
um, any special prop requests, you know, anything. We can do a fire engine probably. But anyway, let us know if there is anything that you are interested in learning more about. So once again, thank you so much. And we will talk with you next time.